My name is Daniel, and please enjoy a little ghostly history from Ohio, in the United States of America, in a town called Mansfield. Known in pop culture as the Shawshank Prison, from the Oscar-winning movie Shawshank Redemption. In reality, it's called Mansfield Reformatory, one of the most haunted places in the world, and the subject of this video. Mansfield was put in a perfect location, far from the city of Columbus and on the former site of Mordecai Bartley, a once civil war camp. They hired an architect, Levi Schofield, who chose a design quoted as half German castle, half Gothic church. Believing in psychology, his creation was to provide spiritual uplift. And as a side, it's kind of ironic that the spiritual Mansfield became a paranormal magnet. Other prisons focused on revenge and suffering. Mansfield was about motivation, rehabilitation, and mercy. Motivating criminals to greater things. And it ran on this intention for 100 years, closing New Year's Eve in 1990. The official reason? Cruel by modern standards. Arthur Lewis Glack was appointed warden by an Ohio governor named Marty Davey. In return for helping the politician get elected in 1935, in taking charge, Arthur implemented many new ideas, like pumping calm classical music into the cell blocks. I wonder if Stephen King knew this little piece of history when writing The Shawshank Redemption, a movie filmed inside Mansfield with a scene where Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, locks himself in the warden's office. His goal? Play opera over the intercom. Andy was punished in the movie, but in Glack's prison, he would have been congratulated. That scene was filmed in Arthur's actual office. All was great for Glack. Respect from both guards and inmates. Operating a calm prison praised by the community. And it all changed in 1950, on one Sunday morning while inside the warden's office, his family getting ready for church, as Glack's wife Helen reached into the closet for her jewelry box. And feeling a steel block, she pushed it aside and reached higher as the block then fell to the floor. This was Arthur's loaded gun, which hit the floor and fired upwards into Helen. Rushed her to the Mansfield Hospital, then Helen held on for three days. Official cause of death? Pneumonia brought on by a wound. Now people would gossip. Said Arthur grabbed the gun down and shot his wife. Made it look like an accident ridiculousness reported in supposed ghost stories from some paranormal groups today. I have to call this out. It doesn't take a genius. Definitely anybody who knew the man, or even for myself, a simple storyteller living in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Just read a tiny little bit about this man and you'd agree, he loved his wife. Losing her brought on his own decline. And only nine years later, in 1959, Arthur was working in his office. The guards heard a noise and found their warden on the floor, rushed him to Mansfield Hospital, and he died soon after. Arthur Glack was a dedicated steward to the end. Now, being in Mansfield from the point of an inmate, knowing that the goal of the prison was to save men who gave up on life, with 100 years of trying, it's going to be some failures. Which was a riot in 1957, with 120 inmates going crazy. Guards controlled it, but punishments were harsh to deter repeat. 
120 men put into 20 solitary cells made for one man each. Six per cell, left in complete darkness for an entire month. Not thinking, the guards paired up two of Mansfield's most violent inmates, and a month later they opened that cell to find only five men, along with a corpse neatly stuffed under the bed. And then we have James Lockhart. He once occupied cell number 13 on the fourth level, north side of the East Block. And one day he stole a bottle of turpentine from the prison furniture shop and back in his cell, quietly poured it over his head and lit a match. And guards only knew it was happening when they heard the man in number 14 screaming. The flames were spreading into his cell and all he could do was scoop water out of the tiny sink to save off burns. The guards helplessly watched from a distance as the fire burned itself out. Now we don't know why in 1974, an inmate named Larry Harmer wanted to die. A light sentence of just one year at Mansfield for damaging property during a break-in. And one week before they were going to transfer Larry to another prison, he pulled the sheets off his bed, rolled them tight, tied one end to the towel rack, wrapped the other around his neck, and dropped sharply to the floor. Gravity did the rest. Now why the heck did he do it? And nobody knows. But here's my guess. Maybe somebody was waiting at the other prison. Fear of revenge is a great motivator, and Larry chose death. Now, Mansfield from the point of view of guards was much different. And Urban Wilford, a 72-year-old guard still working at Mansfield in the 1920s. Officials wanted him to retire, they're like, go on, spend retirement with your loving wife. But the former British police officer refused. Seemed he loved his job more, until meeting Philip Orlek. Orlek was recently paroled, given an opportunity to start over, but friendship brought him back with a plan to help his buddy escape. Entering through the West Gate, Wilford recognized Orlek and blocked his path. Orlek pulled a gun and fired. Wilford held him to the ground, as other guards rushed in, pulling them apart, to find Wilford was dead. And the one-time free man, just one year later, Orlick sat in the electric chair, executed for murdering the kindly old guard. And another escape in 1932. Mansfield guard Frank Hanger saw inmates sneaking out a back door, yelled stop, as two of the convicts turned to greet him. One grabbed an iron bar and hit Hanger, the guard fell to the ground as the other convict rushed in. They beat him with bare fists and the bar until Hanger stopped moving, then leaving but not getting far. Every single one of those inmates were caught, returned, and had Hanger's death added to their sentences. The two inmates who turned back felt the cold wood of an electric chair. Now why would any free man return to Mansfield? First Orlek and then Robert Daniels and John West 20 years later, in 1948, bringing with them the darkest event in Mansfield history. Daniels was called a psychopathic personality. West, they called a moron. Became friends in a Mansfield cell through the shared enjoyment of crime and chaos. Paroled just one year apart, they met again in July of 1948, walked into a local tavern, shot the owner dead and wounded a woman. She told the story, and the media started calling them the Mad Dog Killers. Daniels and West went on a spree. Daniels quoted Layer saying, we love drinking, robbing, and hitting on girls. 
One drunken night they remembered a Mansfield guard named Red, who abused them to no end. Going back and forth with stories, revenge was worth a trip to Mansfield. And only two weeks after the tavern killing, Daniels knocked on the door of John Niebel, the Mansfield farm supervisor. They took John, his wife Phyllis, and their daughter into a field, forced them down on their knees, and Daniels put a gun to each of their heads and fired without hesitation. There's no report of how West reacted to these murders. Enter the effective Van Weert Police Department, and soon Daniels was captured. The simpleton West got away though, but now he was alone and unsure. He runs, then decides to turn and start shooting at the police. He hit a sergeant who falls to the ground, rolls, and fires back. Hit West right between the eyes. And now a death row inmate. Robert Daniels is interviewed by the Movie Tone News. This is an early version of today's Fox News. And in a dramatic conversation, Daniels repeated his official confession. I wanted Red, the abusive guard. I'm sorry the wife and daughter had to die. There was no rope to tie them up. After my score was settled with Red, I'd be ready to die. I haven't gotten it settled, but I guess I'll die anyhow. The audience was stunned when Daniels turned and winked at the camera. One year later, he died via the electric chair. Now Mansfield Reformatory is haunted. 154,000 inmates passed through Mansfield in 100 years. And during that time, 200 inmates and guards died from disease or violence. Energy mixed with death and Schofield's spiritual design makes Mansfield quite unique. Here are reported ghost stories sorted by location, such as the administration wing, location of the warden's office and the family apartment. This is where both Arthur and Helen Glack began their journey to death and where some say they remain. Roses smell when near Helen's personal bathroom, referred to as the pink bathroom. It's true old buildings have trouble heating and cooling. No difference here. Summer heat fills that apartment but strangely, at its most sweltering, cold spots are felt. Refreshing ghost hunters on the hottest days, cold spots are considered evidence of ghosts. And voices are heard. When shutting down at night, volunteers hear a man and woman as if in mid-conversation. Faint whispers drifting through an apartment wall into the hallway, first thinking it's lost guests on their way out. They'd go into the apartment to find it empty, and the voices have stopped. Now Theodore Glack is the youngest son of Arthur and Helen. He was raised in that apartment and hates how the building is used today. Wanting to speak out, he sat down with a ghost enthusiast named Rebecca Muller and said, I find it hard to think a spirit stays in a place rather than being with loved ones. Haunting a house is a concept left over from when people died where they were born. I have little respect for the ghost stories all inaccurate pieces and sensationalism regarding their lives. The chapel is a very mysterious space, not to the religious gatherings of old, but it's what the guards did. It's said they tortured inmates inside the chapel. The orb photos are captured in that space. Now that's it for the chapel. Let's go to the infirmary. Death in the infirmary was normal, like the unspoken ghosts of hospitals today this energy is very different. Guests feel dread, depression, and nausea when entering. Injured and diseased inmates spent hard time inside this room, and some never left. 
Be sensitive to the temperature, however. It's said that walking through the infirmary, cold spots are felt. And the basement is home to the legend of a 14-year-old boy, thought to be the son of a guard, and why he's there is unknown. Psychics have talked to him. The story goes that some inmates cornered the boy, and when asked how he died, he simply told the psychics, they beat me to death. And then we have the library. Now this is the most impressive room inside Mansfield. We all know there's nothing like ghosts in a library, right? Uh, kind of like the opening scene from Ghostbusters. Man, I love that stuff. And just like that scene in this library, objects are seen moving around the room. As well, a woman is witnessed as visitors enter. A quick movement like a blur across their vision and then nothing. It's so quick, many question whether seeing anything at all. Communication has revealed the ghost as a nurse. She said a prisoner killed her and told psychics, I always like the library. And then of course there's the iconic six level cell blocks. Ghosts come from history, but can also be a part of it. Over the years, many inmates told guards they were scared at night, how they'd wake to invisible hands grabbing at the bedsheets, pulled tight and loose as if a ghost was tucking them in. Different inmates all over the jail saying the exact same thing, and some would peek over the side to see the once loose sheets tucked neatly under the mattress. Imagine that, the most violent men turned into scared boys. And the following are more written accounts of Mansfield experiences, and each I'll give the source, the witness's reported name, and what happened. Such as one reported to graveaddiction.com in 2006. Carrie says, I just got back from visiting Mansfield, and we had an experience in a cell marked with an X. Taken back to the cell block after a tour, nine of us and a guide heard something in the hallway, and went silent. It sounded like running, so she yelled out, Running is not allowed, thinking it was a guest. And then she realized nobody was missing, as a distant cell door slammed shut. As we left, I noticed our guide looking scared and soaked with sweat. Also reported to GraveAddiction.com, Gina says, Our group was walking down metal stairs from the tower. My friend and I in the back with some high school students in front. Now I'm clumsy, so I held on to my friend's hand and the railing, and someone slapped my back. I fell forward into my friend and hit the railing. My arm clenched as it pulled to a painful angle, and then down on one knee, I quickly spun to face my attacker, but nobody was there. And reported on the Ohio State Reformatory's Facebook page, Randy says, On my last visit to Mansfield, my camera and recorder picked up some tapping on the wall of the jail cell. My friend and I thought immediately it was Morse code, but then my buddy was military, and he listened very closely. Said it wasn't Morse. We thought it might be a code developed by prisoners to communicate without guards knowing. The tapping noise was caught only in that cell. And then we have the most dreaded area known as the hole. Now, it embodied suffering in this building for 100 years. 20 pitch black basement cells on the sunniest day. Inmates forced down on roach infested floors, starved with small portions of bread and water served only every three days. No surprise visitors entering the hole would feel sick. Also, chills and the uneasy sense that somebody is watching from an empty cell. A few have seen glowing eyes. 
Again, from GraveAddiction.com from 2007, Michelle says, I worked in Mansfield last year and was assigned to the hole. Me and another girl in the empty space on opposite ends, we heard shuffling around in the hallway. Thinking it was visitors who didn't know we were there, I looked over and smiled as if to say, let's scare them, and she smiled back. We jumped out and screamed, and the hallway was emptying, the shuffling gone. Now, negative energy rarely has a name, but not a Mansfield. Not a human ghost, but an elemental. Basically, a buildup of energy appearing in guest photos. A shining and familiar glow, red, just like a famous Muppet. And that's why they call it Elmo. It has no shape and causes feelings of fear and anger, believed to be dangerous. When it appears, accidents will happen. Guests have been pushed on stairs or hit across the chest by an unseen force. Photos taken at the time expose a guilty red glow. If bright red, Elmo's just posing. But if a cluster of three red orbs, the rotten smell of decay will soon follow. And a group walked into a room just as that rotten smell rolled in, turning on each other saying, who farted, just as the cameras shut off. Retreating to the administration wing, the smell was gone, and all the cameras worked again. In the inmate cemetery, filled with unclaimed inmates resting in a godless field just outside the fence, 215 markers as a final honor to men claimed by influenza, tuberculosis, and violence. Not much to report from the cemetery. The main reason? You can't go back there. It's a working prison that exists behind Mansfield today and the cemetery sits on what they call restricted space. Mistakenly stumble back there, and you'll be met by a dark SUV. Angry guards will question and maybe arrest you. But it's worth a visit. Mansfield Reformatory appears on many lists of America's most haunted places, a big part of the Save History with Ghosts movement, where old prisons and asylums are reopened for history and ghost events. So why not? After all, Mansfield started with good intentions. Levi Schofield didn't know what would happen in the future. Today, the spooky, abandoned complex is filled with enough ghosts to draw the most enthusiastic ghost hunters. We've reached the end. This has been a ghostly history of Ohio State Reformatory, also known as Mansfield. Have you ever been there? Tell us your experience in the comments below. Ghosts make history just that much better. Thanks for watching.